27th of March, the year of our Lord, 2023. And it's just coming up to half past 11 here in the UK. Liberty Tactics is back. Had um, a stressful couple of weeks. So we've been doing the odd show here and there. But we are back as of today. And we're going to be working on shows practically every day now, right up until the podcast-a-thon, um, which we have now got some amazing guests lined up for. Matt Sissier is going to be opening the show. We've got Richard Vobes coming on. Um, just waiting back to hear from Lawrence Fox, but um, I'm sure he will because he's very supportive. Uh, James Dellingpole, I can't even think of the top of my head. The, the, the lineup is incredible. Alex Thompson. Um, we've got DJ Slipmat. We've got the American contingent. We've got even people from Canada coming on. So that's going to be live on Cardiff 29th and 30th of April. Today's show, it's been at least a year since we've done a show. We've done about four show, four or five shows together, I think, over the decades. I'm delighted. And she's the most, she's a gift. She's a gift from the angels. <laughs> the beautiful Marie McLaughlin. And we're talking homeopathy. Hello, you beautiful being. Oh, thank you. Hello, darling. I love the lineup you've got. Oh, my God. You've got such amazing people. I'm not doing it any justice because it's 10 times better than that. And I just, it's been a bit of a stressy morning, so I can't even think off the top of my head. But we've got James Dellingpole still to confirm. Oh, and we've I, got yeah, great. the rest of the lineup is just amazing. So... Yeah, we've got the one from UK column. I can't think of his name. You just said Alex. He's amazing. Alex is amazing. Former GCHQ. But anyway, let's let's talk about you. How are you? We're talking about homeopathy. No, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. So you've been a homeopath now for how many years? I think it's 26 years now, kind of in clinical practice. Yeah, it's a long time. What, what was it? Why homeopathy? Why not art? Why not, I don't know, something else? Why homeopathy? Well, it was kind of a series of things, but the the ultimate one was um, that I wanted to get pregnant. I wanted to have a baby and it just wasn't happening. And um, so my friends were going to see this homeopath called Anne and they were saying, go and see Anne. She's really good. And I just thought, I don't want to talk about my poo and about my feelings to a stranger. So it actually took me three years to go and see her. And then when I did, she was brilliant. And um, when she was taking my case and sort of telling me the names of remedies, it just felt like I was remembering. Um, it just all seemed incredibly familiar. And after a certain amount of consultations she said to me oh you should study it and I thought oh study god no that sounds like hard work I don't want to anyway I thought about it and then I could do the study and work at the same time and so I did and it was the best thing I've ever done I absolutely loved it so yeah that was that was how I fell into homeopathy it just was the perfect the perfect thing at the perfect time so what, well, let's let's talk about the history of homeopathy. Homeopathy. Where? Who discovered it? What is it? And why do you like it so much? Well, it was it was a, a, a physician in in Germany called Sam, Samuel Hahnemann about two hundred years ago, um, and he was finding that his patients were dying. You know, back then the kind of the medication was was 
you know, mercury and bloodletting and, you know, it wasn't very effective. And so he just thought there's got to be a better way. And so he went back to the the kind of the father of medicine, Paracelsus, and he studied him. Well, he was he was a polymath. He just knew languages and everything. He's just one of these kind of geniuses that are born every now and again. And um, and so he decided that if he were to dilute something that would be poisonous in its crude form, it might be able to stimulate cure in a in a ultra diluted form. And it worked. His his first remedy that he proved is called approving. Um, you give a remedy to a well person a good few times until they start to display symptoms that uh, that the crude um, the crude poison would cause. So it's not like you just poison someone straight off with, say, a dose of arsenic. You dilute it, you know, millions of times, and then you sort of slowly introduce it to the person, and then they will start to have symptoms that. Oh, you start. You slowly introduce it over time, so yeah. they start deteriorating until yeah. And so, so he did it himself. He used himself as the guinea pig, and he used um, the bark of the chinchona tree which um, in modern medicine or even old medicine is quinine. And quinine is used as a, an anti-malarial. And I think Hahnemann had had malaria in his life. And so he was taking this bark in a very diluted form and he started to get symptoms, which would be things like bone breaking pain, um, hectic fevers, chills, sweating, um, weird thoughts like uh, it's... It's got a rubric, builds castles in the sand in their in their mind. Oh, right, okay. So all of these all of these things kind of came together to make a remedy picture. So then, when he had a patient that had that kind of remedy, that kind of um, symptom picture, gave it to the patient, and it worked. And so he was on his way, just all all guns blazing, just creating this new system of medicine, which. It's amazing because it doesn't cause harm. I mean, it can cause a bit of harm. It's not completely inert and, and you know, it's not placebo. It can do things. Yeah. But um, it's it's less harmful than bloodletting and, and mercury of his day. Um, yeah, so he was getting great results and he was writing about it. He wrote, I think his final book was the fifth or the sixth organ on of medicine and he was so thorough and so precise i mean i can't think of any scientist that that comes close to him he was just a genius lou absolutely so when did it start getting really popular because um i've always known about homeopathy um i my parents i was born into the horsey world and i was allergic to horses we lived on a riding school I was on a horse before I could walk. My entire life was surrounded by horses, but I was out there 10 minutes and I start getting hay fever, which eventually ended up leading into asthma attacks. And we used to go and see my mum. My dad swore by it. My mum was always sort of backing off on it. You know, my, my dad's like potions. Yeah. Um, whereas mum would just much rather stick to being poisoned by the NHS dad would actually go go out and he would look at homeopathy very very much so so it's always been uh, been around but when did it really start getting when you know 
getting the traction after his experiments how like how does that work how did he really yeah, yeah, that's that's probably a big hole in my knowledge but okay, I do know that in <laughs> there's a lot of big holes in my knowledge but um back in um in what's that place called Washington that's it so Washington DC there's this sort of horseshoe of statues dedicated to you know the the sort of the fathers of of um politics and and you know, very important founding father type people. And one of those statues is of Samuel Hahnemann, which okay. is remarkable. And he was a Freemason, apparently. Um, but I think uh, you know, a benevolent Freemason. I don't think that all Freemasons are the 30. No, it isn't exactly that. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. everybody, every other person who's standing out doing work is a shill, or they can find something somebody. <laughs> so there are good people out there. And Absolutely. most people use the Freemason, use the Masons as just as a business tool for connections yeah talking we're talking a very small minority up in their baby eating sacrificials yeah absolutely yeah. so so he was a freemason and he was obviously well connected to have this statue dedicated to him and so back then um the the days of rockefeller and rockefeller taking over medicine modern medicine um it just i don't know how he designed this but he introduced different types of books into medical schools so all of this was sort of incrementally pushed to the sidelines so it became alternative medicine whereas before it was just medicine it was part of what people used um the thing about homeopathy lu is that it's cheap as chips you take a bumblebee, for example, and you make a remedy out of it. And that remedy will just be spread all over the world. You don't have to kill multiple bees. It's the same bee that died to make the remedy apis. So, um, you know, the, the sort of economic model is so cheap. And so, um, you know, it's not based on that kind of economic growth model where you're always making more and more and more and growing, 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 which I never understood. So what what happens with homeopathy is you have cheap medicine, you have a consultation with the patient and people charge whatever they want to for that. There isn't any fixed rate that people are supposed to, to do. And then the medication is cheap. A bottle of say apis that I just mentioned is about eight pounds and that's got about 150 remedies in it but you only need a couple you know in your wow. life you probably only use about five apis you know if you're if you're a well person and so um and then you get well so there's no kind of going back and having to refill your prescription or you know it's just it's so efficient that the person is sick you give them a cheap medicine then they're better and they're gone you don't need to see them again so mm -hmm. It just doesn't work for the for the the paradigm of today, where it's all about profit and growth and expansion. Yeah, it just it pisses off the kind of the the oligarchs and the, and the globalists. It just it's a thorn in their side. So they have to devalue it and belittle it and all you know the mockery and yeah, the dark. exactly. Yeah, so it's it's quite interesting. It's it's very clear to see why homeopathy is you know the enemy of of the sort of this new paradigm it's the same bit like those um so um obviously i do a lot of i do i work for clive de carl yeah. he's doing a lot of work with the ancient technology of tesla oh yes there are newer ones come in you know made by rife but these old tesla technologies used to be in every single hospital yeah and then pills came out and they were going to make money with pills so they took every one of these machines out. Now, I have personally witnessed, I've personally had the effects 
of these Tesla machines based on the Tesla coil, they bloody work. I heard your your interview with um, Clive's son, and yes. just, that was amazing. I really, I'd love to try one. I'd love to try well, one. Well, we'll have to do that because I've got one here, and I've actually helped so many people. Brilliant. Clive told me to have one here. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I went out, and there's a guy who's been trouble walking for years and years, and he's like starting to stand up a bit. He used to have to kind of crawl along a bar, okay. you know, to move along, and now he's kind of the spine's. Yeah, it's doing its stuff, but people won't believe you. You're talking nonsense again. Oh, it's, you, it's just Lou and her hocus pocus and her yeah. stuff, you know, and they just, people just don't understand. Things can be simplified. The simpler, the, the simpler way is usually the way. Yeah. Well, your body knows what to do. Given the right environment, it knows how to heal itself. Yeah. And it's been given all the tools to heal itself. Yeah. Totally, totally. So let's talk, right, allergies. We are coming in to hay, fe- hay fever season. As I said earlier, I was allergic to horses. Have absolutely no reason why. Um, so first of all, how do, I know we kind of touched on it, you know, ailments on how, you know, that doctor gave himself, you know, he was, he was taking the meds. But how yeah. do allergies, where do they come from? How do they start? Where did it all begin, Marie? <laughs> I think there's various things. My my big sort of bugbear is vaccines. I think that vaccines, when children are brought to the doctor for their childhood vaccines, that's sort of that's the groundwork for illness, as far as I'm concerned, because children are meant to be introduced to everything to then develop an immune system to it. So, you know, kids in the garden tasting earth and, you know, touching everything and putting it in their mouths, that's actually the natural way to build an immune system. But this is all bypassed by going and having your DTAP and your MMR and and then your body is supposedly developing an immune system, but it's not. It's 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 fighting some invading rubbish that's come through the needle. Um, so a lot of um vaccine injured people will be very, very susceptible to allergies. Um, but then, you know, allergies existed before vaccines were invented. So I can't blame vaccines for everything. Um, it's down to susceptibility. So whatever whatever it is in you that is vulnerable and susceptible to outside external forces and, and can't kind of keep them at bay, that's where your cure is. That's where you'll find how to heal the person. So um, yeah, like you say, hay fever's coming. Well, it was it was starting about three weeks ago with the tree pollen, um, and I was noticing people sneezing. So, yeah, um, there are sort of universal hay fever remedies. There's you can get a mixture called hay fever mix um, from Ainsworth's or from Helios, and that's sort of a, a broad a broad kind of pollens and grasses and. I'm not actually sure what else is in it. Um, there's one called mixed pollen, which is basically a mixture of pollens. And then you take the tablets during the hay fever season and, and it might actually really alleviate your symptoms. Um, and, and the same with hay fever mix. But the best way is to get a very specific picture of the person. So some people have hay fever that's really, really bad indoors, which is peculiar. You'd think it would be outdoors. Um and some people obviously have worse hay fever outdoors. So you need to take a really refined case of all the different 
particular symptoms and then match the, the remedy to that. So, for example, there's one remedy called Sabadilla, which the kind of the keynote is sneezing and a Sabadilla case. Jack really suffers with that. Jack yeah. really yeah. Suffers with Jack. I have to send him some. So Sabadilla, they'll sneeze something like 20 times in a row where you're yeah. just, geez, God, how are you managing? So that's the, that's the, um, that would be the number one remedy I'd give for someone where sneezing is their main problem. But with hay fever, there are some really weird symptoms like itching on the roof of your mouth. You know, like how do you scratch the roof of your mouth? You're kind of trying with your tongue and it's and so the eyes, the eyes go. And yeah. also hives. Now I've had, it's really weird. There's, I, I was sitting down one day, a friend came down. It was, I think, was Jack here? I don't know if Jack had, Jack had graced the world yet, but a friend had come down and we had a nice meal, nothing out in the ordinary, something I would cook maybe once a week. We'd had a glass of wine, my usual wine, just for no reason. I started coming up with all these hive bumps. Really? Wow. Just for no reason. We were laughing our heads off. We couldn't think where it had come from, though. All over my body. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 a, a histamine reaction. So something has triggered your body to go into this sort of histamine overreaction. Um, it might be, it could be the wine, maybe. But if you're, if it's something that you're drinking, you know, normally, no, and it doesn't. Very happen. weird. Don't know. It's only ever happened twice. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. Um, so so we have a thing called mast cells, and they they overreact, and then you get this terrible hive situation, and then you can become really really allergic to everything, and you have to start eliminating all the histamine forming foods from your diet. But I don't go down that path, Lou. I'm very much for strength strengthening the person rather than making the world, you know. So, so having to adapt to you, I think we have to adapt to our environment. So I would just look at that situation and think, were you stressed having to cook? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, something that would have made you more susceptible to something that I mean, other times you're able to cope with. Others, others just, they maybe have a bit of sneezing, but their eyes go. Yeah. So I, an eye-specific remedy is euphrasia, and that's spelt E-U-P-H-R-E. A-S-I-A. And that's a lovely one for eyes. Um, yeah, where where the hang on, I'm looking in my book here. It says you've got acrid lacrimation. So that means that your tears are burning you, which you know that's I've had that as horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the oh it's saying so the eyes are burning and irritated, photophobia, intense blinking, copious thin discharge from eyes and nose and pus, pus in, in the eyes. So if if that's your hay fever sort of horror, euphrasia is the one for you. Um, what about those who get triggered uh, by with asthma? So I have hay fever. Yeah. Um, saying that, it's practic- I, I, I don't really get it many, much more. <laughs> um, but I used to get the hay fever, and uh-huh. I used to, it used to end up give, making me wheezy and having asthma attacks, along with the sneezing, along with the eyes. It would also affect my breathing. Yeah. Did you ever get hit, um, nosebleeds with that? Yes. And uh, do you know what's so weird? Is it was kind of changing the weather. My nose started to bleed, and both oh, Elise was t- particularly bad. Right. Really bad. Jack not so much. Jack's had a few nosebleeds, but Elise all the time nosebleeds. Yeah, she's a redhead, isn't she? She is. 
Yeah, so <laughs> I would say that she would be a fer- um not a ferum, a phosphorus. Like probably her her constitutional remedy might be phosphorus. They have a lot of nosebleeds and they're kind of redheads and they're a bit airy fairy, tall and slim, artistic, long fingers. I've seen a few pictures of her. She looks kind of like that. Um yeah. So, but when you have uh, the the things you're talking about at the change of season, I'm just quickly looking. I think the remedy is dulcamara. Uh, uh, right, there is that. That is okay. So a, a lot of other people get it change of seasons or change in the weather. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Where it's going from warm to cold weather, but anything yeah, like about to rain or it's sunny and there's a rain, something. Yeah. yeah. So dulcamara is is very much your remedy for that kind of situation and a lot of these remedies are very superficial remedies they're not the deep going into the deepest part of you they're just really on the surface with these kind of physical symptoms so a lot of the time I think it's very safe to use those some of the bigger remedies Lou I'm a bit reluctant for patients just to self-prescribe because you can unlock things that would have otherwise been left dormant Um, but yeah Dalkamara is is pretty good. I would think that would be okay. And then one more that uh, would work for you, I think, is Ipecac. So Ipecac is is the sort of asthma Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a lovely remedy. I use it a lot. Um, let me just find it quickly. Yeah, so they have... My right, no, Sarah, I've always make sure I've got a pen when I've got you and Clive on. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, they, they have... Um, Lots of uh, of breathing, coughing, asthma, bronchitis. But whenever you see it with either nausea, where you cough until you want to get sick, or where you have it with hemorrhage of any sort, so a nosebleed or any kind of bleeding, Ipecac is okay. great. I love these names, Ipecacuana. Like if I was learning French, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to say that. But all of these remedies, I just feel are so familiar to me that I can say them and I look at them and I know what they are. It's the maddest thing because at school I was rubbish. I just used to bunk off all the time. <laughs> I walked out of all my exams. But this oh, too, straight out the back door, straight in the front door, straight out the back door. Oh my God, Lou, we were so naughty, but oh. somehow it doesn't seem to have harmed us. <laughs> well, I don't know. Something, you know, uh, no comment. <laughs> um, so people do associate very much homeopathy with allergies and things but it isn't just allergies is it I mean I've had to call you about little Bruno yeah who had had all his teeth out and his and I was in such a pickle you sent a load of homeopathy had to put stuff in his water bowl um he had this big lump come up on his throat and it went after I looked into what it could be it's usually dogs who've had trauma in the mouth well Bruno had like 14 teeth out he's only got about four left so yes that ticks little bruno um and it says really you have to go to the vet and they have to try and drain this big lump in the throat well i i got some homeopathy off of you my dad does the photonic therapy which is like a little red torch red light and i whereas the tesla it's electricity so you can get electric shocks so I used the little, I didn't want to go and sort of like electrocute you. So I used my dad's little red torch yeah. uh, with your homeopathy. And I massaged it as if it was like, you know, when you're draining, you know, to drain mm. something. Yeah. So I was kind of doing that and I was doing like a massage over the nose, moving it outwards. 
And according to all these websites, you've got to take them to the vet and the vets will remove it. And then it comes back doubly worse. But then after the second or third time it's removed, it won't come back. Well, I managed to remove it using homeopathy, Daz, red torture, massage. Brilliant. Did Bruno mind? No, he's fine. He let you. Yeah. That's so good. Absolutely fine. I think a lot of the time people are frightened to do anything with their animals because they... Well, they don't know what they're doing. And no, they're- but they'll go and take their kids to get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so out of touch with their own power. That's that's what it boils yeah. down to. We all just have handed over everything to so outsource it to everything. It's just common sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. You look around and the, the insanity of it. You've got these men, six foot four men, swimming against five foot four Eight stone women. I mean, the whole thing really it's it's it's, 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 it's isn't it? It's, it's just ridiculous. a joke. So but I mean, if you if you were if just to say, if you were that swimmer that won, wouldn't you just think, oh shit, that's not very good, is it? You know, fought against these girls. Well, they're probably being paid more of an incentive to actually do it because that's what they want, isn't it? It's the agenda. So really, probably behind the scenes, that male singers had massive backhanders. Yeah, I even think they've been transitioned. I think they've still got all their bits. I think they do, don't they? The yeah, basket they're still is. identifying. I mean, it's insanity. It really is. It's I mean, what, how does it work if people are, say, believe the cr- criminals, for instance? So they're after Paul Smith. Well, they get round to Paul Smith, and Pauline's there now. <laughs> Pauline is now Paul Smith, but identifies as Paul Smith. Yeah. So are they? Can they go? What's? How does that work? Because obviously, if they're going to start calling Pauline Smith Paul, that's very rude, and they're misgendering them. Totally, I know. Everyone's just it's so confused about political correctness, aren't bonkers. they? It's bonkers. Anybody who believes that they're a woman—that's a mental health issue. There are small cases, yes, but you walk down the street ten years ago, Marie, and there's a bloke with a beard wearing a dress and high heels with lipstick, yeah. you'd laugh. Like. Well, no, we did. We used to have um, this very unconvincing tranny in Wimbledon, and he was this <laughs> old oh, poor guy. But I just thought uh, it made me smile. You know, I didn't think, oh, my God, you're horrible. It was, you know, he was so clearly desperate to feel the sensuality. Yeah, they're not well, though. That, yeah, there yeah. is a mental illness there. This is mental illness. We have got... The lunatics running the asylum at the moment. Yeah, there, there's a terrible imbalance. But all I think is that the pendulum's going to swing back again. You know, because I spoke to my cousin who's a teacher and I said, are you finding that your kids are being taught, you know, how to masturbate and about anal sex? And he was like, no, I think what this is more is um, don't pick on the gay kids. And so I said, oh, OK, OK. So so my cousin teaches, he's a teacher, of sort of A-level age um, students, but he's yeah, well, have already learned that. They've already had that discussion because they. So, t- he's he's oh. also a dad. He's got three three oh, children. Okay. So, but so I, I I did actually ask him specifically. Yeah. He he won't be looking at the curriculum. You know, he won't be handed the curriculum that his young kids are getting. But no. I'm hoping that he will look into it more, and I'll, I will, I'll yeah, Let that. us know. Let us know because we're getting yeah. reports now. You know, we're now starting to see the reports of some of the things people are starting. I mean, a guy was in actually the Mail reported it that he found out what his kids came home and started talking about and was absolutely outraged. 
Yeah, a good male are talking about it. Yeah. So at last, at last. So, okay, so we've got... We've got the use for um, dogs. We've got the use uh, for allergies. Yeah. Now, I've, I'm have i not going to go into it, but I've had a family member who's gone through a procedure. It's a very personal, he's a man. He's gone through a very personal procedure um, and there's been a lot of problems. Um, he had to have, it's, it's a cousin of mine, he had to have a circumcision. Mm-hmm. So, well, his son had to. So they, they, they did it. Um, they first of all tried apparently giving him steroid cream to make the stuff to make the foreskin stretch and it didn't work. So they went and did the circumcision. Now, the last time I spoke to him, he'd been having a hell of a lot of pain and it didn't look right. And he think they messed it up. But with things like this, like operations such as a very intimate place, um, people are difficult talking about their intimate thoughts, especially men, I presume. Um how how can homeopathy benefit somebody who's going possibly through something like that? Right. Well, um, when you Sorry, I shouldn't have read, I don't know. I don't have. But we've got to talk about surgeries and things like this. And, yeah, and no, my husband has, has, you know, his son's had he's had he's had a few problems. So I want to help him. And you know, they're looking at all of these traditions, you know, using using the hydrocortisone, uh, using some other creams and stuff by the doctors. And then possibly going for more surgery, which I disagree with. I don't think they should. But what are your thoughts? So when when you have a, a surgery, any surgery, even one that you want to have, um, the the deeper the subconscious you doesn't know the the logical reason. It just knows that it's been cut. So the fact that you've been cut is a violation on a very very basic level. And so you have to address that with homeopathy. And the remedy to address that violation, even, you know, I don't mean to sort of judge the surgery. I think the surgery is necessary in certain cases, but, you know, the the subconscious doesn't know that. So to address the violation, you give a remedy called staphysagria, which is just an amazing remedy. It's, um, It's from a flower, blue... Delphinium, that's it. It's made from a blue delphinium of all things, but it really goes deep into soothing the the feeling of being violated. And once you've soothed that feeling, you can kind of loosen the vital force and give it space to do its work. But once it's kind of all cramped and feeling shit, I've been cut, you know, and, and tightened, you know, that awful feeling of fear and terror and violation. Once you loosen that loo, then the body can come in with with more energy to fix the problem. And then to assist fixing specifically um, surgery, you would give arnica, which um, it heals not just bruising, it's known for bruising, but it it heals um, trauma. It heals trauma and any, any kind of blunt force, any anything that traumatizes your body, arnica is the, the go-to remedy. And then there's a deeper arnica called Bellis Perennis, which is um which is what's Bellis Perennis is Daisy, I think. Yeah, it's Daisy. And that Perennis. Yeah. And that's that's a deeper arnica. So for women that are having a, a C section. Okay. It's it's going quite deep into the tissue. So Bellis Perennis would be a better remedy than Arnica. And then, um, you know, it's difficult being a homeopath. I don't often get to see people's bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't need to, but over the years, there are certain things that I have needed to see to understand exactly what's going on. So, um, you know, women get a thing called, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either lichen planus or lichen planus. Ah, my mother's got, my mother's got that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very painful. And if you have it in the... My mother suffers with that. And she's gone through hell and they told us they can't help her. She's just jumped on steroids. And yeah. I'm so fed up of getting her stuff. Like, God rest a lover. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bad mouthing, but you can only do so much. She's got every bloody Clive de Cole remedy. Yeah. And she just keeps going back to the doctors for more. Pharmaceutical. I mean, the thing is, when you're in pain, you don't care. You just take what you need, to, whatever's there, don't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so something like that, I would often need to see it to so that I can work out whether it's that or whether it's thrush or you know. So, there yeah, so some, what would you give for this then? Well, it, gosh, there there are lots of things. Right. So, superfagria might be one for for that. It would. It really depends on the person, okay. what they're like, and how they how they express their symptoms. So, so we express symptoms mentally, emotionally, physically. We express them in dreams, in our delusions. So you have to read the person on every level, Lou. You can't just go, oh, you've got this, take that. I might, that. Ask, I might ask you to have a session with my mother. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. She doesn't have to show me her vagina. That's okay. She'd probably be like, no, no way, Lou. I can't. <laughs> she can definitely. Well, I'm sure that's what that, that recognised what, what you just said, but she's got. She's got something like that. I'll find yeah. out. You know. Okay. So we've done like things like post-ops um, and treatment for stuff like that. Now, it's also amazing for trauma. I've got a friend who's, uh, it was only yesterday morning, their dad had passed about six months ago and their mum passed yesterday morning. Yeah. Um what would you suggest for people who are going through grief? Grief. Yeah, grief is a big one. I think for your friend specifically, I would give aconite just because, you know, he or she, their world is, is ended now. You know, that's what it's like when you lose a parent or lose someone very close. You just go into absolute shock and it's impossible to function. And so aconite is the most beautiful remedy for that kind of situation. And it in in nature, it's a plant, it's called wolfsbane, and it's very, very toxic. But as a homeopathic remedy, it's it, you know, that feeling like you're on the plane and suddenly you hit a pocket and you and the plane shoots down a few hundred feet. Yes. And you just go, <gasps> that sheer white terror. That's yes. what Aconite addresses. So for your friend to have lost her father and then to lose her mum, that's the feeling. I'm I'm you know, I'm assuming that's the feeling. She yeah. might not feel that at all. So aconite first. And then after she's back in her body, the aconite just brings you back to yourself. And then the the real grief remedy is Ignatia, which is, um, it's spelled I-G-N-A-T-I-A. And um, I use it a lot. It's a beautiful remedy for people that have got that lump stuck in their throat and they want to cry, but they can't cry or they cry in these kind of little choking bursts and then they pull themselves together and shove it all down again and think, no, get on, carry on. Um, so Ignatia is something that you can take over a long period of time 
in a in a bottle of water and you just shake it bang it and then have a sip of that water and that's called plussing and that's a that was one of Hahnemann's favorite ways in his very later years of of giving remedies especially for a situation that's not going to stop you know oh, so right. so can you talk me through that can you talk me through that because that's yeah. because I know I had to call you at some point um for a friend of mine who was just getting anxiety he didn't know why yeah he was just having these anxiety attacks and just suddenly sitting there shaking for no reason, couldn't figure out what. One, we did identify it and they were smoking too much weed and they've actually stopped, right. which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I've only just realised that that's not happening anymore. But they said before they went to go out, they took what well, I got them from you. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but... It was before he went out, you know, of an evening, he was just getting a bit anxious, et cetera, and he would take it and he'd be fine. There was no reason for him to be anxious because he was with his yeah. mate. He couldn't identify. Yeah, but no, sometimes you do have anxiety, just this free-form feeling. It could be coming from, you know, hormones or it could be any number of things. But um, I think I remember that was arsenicum. Yeah. And if you, if you take one tablet of arsenicum, this is another example of how the pharmaceutical industry can't make any money out of it. So you take one tablet and put it in a 500 ml bottle of mineral water. That whole water suddenly becomes the remedy that you've put in there. So that's your, that's your stock bottle. And so what you do then is you shake the bottle about, you know, five or six times, then you bang it five or six times. I think Hahnemann might've banged it on a Bible just because that sounds good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you, from that stock bottle, then you just take a, a teaspoon and put it in your mouth and that's it. You've had a dose. And wow. so, and then that bottle of 500 mils of water, that would last, you know, weeks if you're just having a teaspoon every time you need it. So, um, oh, it's just so clever. It really is. I love it. It really, really is, isn't it? So what, you know, like, you know, what you're saying about, is it, I think you gave, but you suggested belladonna. When uh, Bruno's teeth were really bad in his mouth, yeah, yeah. he said just put one teaspoon in the water and it bloody worked. I couldn't figure out how that was going to work. You know, and animals are so pure and so clear. There's no kind of, well, very few layers of things getting in the way. They, you know, they're vaccinated, some of them, and so that gets in the way of the healing. But um, you do see very fast results with animals. They're very clear and easy to treat in the same way that babies are easy to treat. But someone like me that's been around for 61 years, you know, it's harder to get in. Back up 61. Yes. You're joking. You're joking. <laughs> I am. I am. Bloody hell, give me what so you're giving. I look like you and I'm 61. <laughs> I'm, it's my 50th this year. Oh, oh sweet. Yes. Oh, you just think, how have I been alive so long? I still feel like a kid. <laughs> Where are the grown-ups? <laughs> right. I suppose you're responsible and mature and like... It's bonkers, isn't it? Bonkers. Okay, so what else? I mean, let's let's talk about uh, what else can we do? What about client... Like, does, do they help cold and flus or is this more for long... Homeopathy more for long-term ailments? So someone comes down... Flu, I mean, look at the time we had. Was, was there anything for, well, it was yeah. the flu, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you know that what? Period of time. I really, I've watched these arguments on online about, you know, does it exist, doesn't it exist? I do know for sure that this, whatever it was, was different to flu because I've had flu twice in my life and I thought I was going to die. It was so bad. And this 
you know, I don't want to say whatever they call it, was not like that. It was very different. And it's prodromal. And the way that it kind of arrived and peaked and then left was not like any other illness I've seen. No, so- that's quite right. I got real, I got a load of crap, Marie, because I said about code, we did a show and everyone's going, oh, there is no sickness. I just used the word. Yeah. But there, is, there was something that wasn't actually the something different but you know maybe it might have killed people but certainly by the time it came to the UK and I just love I'd love somebody to put that Kate Garraway on on the spot (laughs) I just think it's so interesting how these media people like they build her up and put her on I I must say I don't watch telly at all but I don't I don't but you couldn't she was on I'm a celebrity and then so she's built up to be this sort of pinnacle of womanhood on on TV and then Derek gets sick and I just think hang on a second and then why did they use this program to you know to to kind of gleam up people like Matt Hancock and you know there's something really suspicious about it all but the thing is when they said this Derek they would have to move the home he didn't show any signs of of COVID, though, did he? I don't. I don't know because I wasn't he's in a wheelchair. Sure. He's been reduced to a wheelchair. He's been reduced to a vegetable. Yeah, he seems like he's like someone that's had a terrible stroke or something. Yeah, I God, certainly no. not signs of a respiratory problem. No, and I didn't have any respiratory symptoms at no, all. Neither did I, and I'm asthmatic. Yeah, no, how interesting. But what I did do was I lost my sense of taste and smell for six months after it. So it's not like when you've got a cold and you can't smell. It was nothing like that. It was literally that sense was removed from me for literally six months. It's weird you should say that because Jack did get it and he couldn't taste anything. He couldn't smell anything. And he's like, this is so weird. I I didn't have that. I just came down. Well, for me, it was more like flu and I was more lethargic. Yeah, the lethargic that was doing my head in. Um, but it, it was so scary for people like you that had have asthma. They're sort of told like you've got to get this vaccine or you'll die. You know, it's real pain. Yeah, right. so, no, but people like yeah, other asthmatics um, would be absolutely petrified. But it's yeah. hard to scare yeah. us, isn't it? Because we just it's like, it's like nothing. Like, <laughs> there'll be, like, be massacres going on outside, or like people literally dropping dead in the street. Ah, don't worry, it's fake news. Crisis <laughs> <Price is> actors. <laughs> no, no, there definitely was something, and there's there's been another big um, kind of dividing thing online about viruses, whether viruses exist, um, and I I can't prove that they do or they don't, and I'm almost like not that bothered. But all I can say is that if someone has a cold sore on their mouth you know, n- another person is not inclined to want to kiss them. So no, why is that? It's insane. Sorry, cut you off. I once, I came down with tonsillitis, but I'd been out on the Friday night and I'd had a snog. <laughs> the person, this is, this is going back many moons. And the next day, that person had tonsillitis. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of evidence and it's been around for hundreds of years, but then there are stories where, you know, it's been, I think there were horses that were kind of exposed to each other and they didn't get sick. And I just don't know, Lou, but what I do know is that it's being used in a way like the, the flat earth is used oh. to divide people and to get people fighting over the, over the kind of, you know, where the deck chairs are as the Titanic is sinking. And that's, we really need to stop that and just get on with. You yeah. Know. The flat earth really did that. And the thing is, 
it's fascinating. The documentary, you know, the Flat Earth Clues was absolutely very well produced. Yeah. It is fascinating. And I got started getting sucked in. But you know what? There's things that I can do and I can I can I can fix. Whatever shape the fucking world is, excuse my language, sorry, Jesus. As whatever what I there's nothing I can do about that. No, exactly. And going back to Hahnemann, he had a thing called imponderables. So something like, you know, does God exist or what's on the other side of the rainbow? We don't know. We can never prove it. But Hahnemann called it an imponderable. And so he left it alone, which I just think is so clever. If you can't work it out and you can't do anything with it and it's not going to help anyone, leave it alone. You know, there's no point putting all your good energy into something you know, that isn't going exactly. to... We could be, we could all be like waking people up to the fact that kids are are being groomed and they're trying to transition children without parents knowing into being a different sex. Mm-hmm. So these things we can be talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we've done, so cold and flus then. So colds and, and flus you can treat with homeopathy really effectively. And actually, some of the remedies that you would use for hay fever would cross over quite nicely into colds and flus. Um, there's a remedy called allium sepa, which is Latin for onion. And, um, you know, when you're peeling an onion and you just get really like a horrible hot face. Oh, and God, yeah, eye sting. Yeah, so that would be um, that could be a hay fever symptom, or it could be a symptom of a of a cold, like a summer cold. So allium sepa would be a lovely acute remedy to give for for that situation. Um, yeah, coughs and colds. But when I had when I had the whatever the COVID thing was, I didn't have any respiratory symptoms. But what I did have was just the most horrendous pain in my body, and I couldn't work out where in my body because it was sort of all around the the thighs and the abdomen. And I just like for three days, I was actually crying, which is not, I mean, I cry a lot, but not from physical things. Um, And so what I did was I just thought none of my remedies are working for this. So I had to go and look at the big guns, which are the the sepsis remedies. And so, yeah, so there's a remedy called pyrogen, which is made from rotting steak. (laughs) It's disgusting, isn't it? But um, it worked. It worked like a bloody miracle. So I went from three days of just like couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything and crying. I took Pyrogen and like within the hour, I was fine. It was literally like turning a switch. Wow. And which tells me that whatever I was going. What would you have used for what what would you have used Pyrogen for? So sepsis, if you have septicemia, you would give like some of the snake remedies might be good, but this pyrogen for for what I was experiencing, yeah, it was it was mighty. It was really good. You just mentioned snakes. Yeah, so I had the great honour of interviewing Doctor Ardis. Oh yes, Doctor Ardis did a show. It's such a shame. And this is no disrespect to Stu Peters. You, yes. you know, just put out some great work, but it's very, very sensationalised. Yes. Some people, they didn't need the, the drama behind yes. it. But I get it. Get it. I totally get it. I'm no way, like, putting him down. Yeah. The doc, that Dr. Ardis interview, oh, that made, it's made complete sense. 
for me. So I then went in further. We've got a company called Venom Tech here in the UK where they are using Venom. Um, it really made sense to me. It totally and utterly, I totally and utterly believe that the batch, the bat is batshit crazy, but the Venom would make far more sense because especially when they were doing Venom and bat testing in that laboratory. It oh, God, they'll, they'll weaponize anything, Lou. And yeah. That's what they're there to do, isn't it? Venom, do you use it? Do you use yeah, it? Yeah, how totally. Do you, how do you use it? Well, I just want to quickly tell you that when when there's any kind of outbreak of illness, the homeopaths all get their thinking caps on and they come up with things called, um, oh, God, what's it called? Epi- epidemicus something or other. It's some Latin way of saying the general remedy for an epidemic. And so there's this amazing homeopath called... Uh, Jeremy Sher, and he he came up with this. Um, oh, it's Genus Epidemicus. Sorry, my my words fail me all the time. Anyway, he came up with the Genus Epi- Epidemicus for the COVID symptoms, and it was a poison, a venom from a scorpion, the red scorpion, and um, so he proved it, and he uses it for people. Well, when at its height, he used it. And I've got it here and I've used it for my patients too. And it's been really good. So there's one venom, but the snake venoms are very well known and very old and they've been used for, you know, a couple of hundred years. So the main one would be um, Lachesis, which is um, a Bushmaster snake. Um, And that remedy is so good for things like, well, it would be good for COVID symptoms. It would be good for um, what was that other thing that was a big, you know, it's going to kill us all illness? Ebola. That's oh, it. Ebola, yeah, Ebola. So anything where your your eyes are bleeding out of your head, yeah, you give the snake. <laughs> I had that on an ayahuasca trip once. Did you? <laughs> Only yeah. my vision many, many moons ago. I was on a ceremony and I had to walk past a mirror. Yeah. Walk back to my bed and I'm like, nah, there's, I have to go back to that mirror. Yeah. I need, and I sat there, stood in front of the mirror for 40 minutes, and I watched myself disintegrate. I was bleeding through my eyes. She disintegrated into like this corpse. Oh. I then had the purge, came out the loo after like a poo or a vomit purge, or both. Vomit. Threw oh. um, up and then came back. And as I walked past the, the mirror, I had to step back because I looked about. I don't know, I looked about 16, 17, 18, with oh. glitter glowing, I was glowing. But I had to stand there and face that you're going to get old. That's what he was telling me. But that's just a story for another day. Sorry. That's that's so, so, brave. <laughs> so brave to do that. My God, I'd never do it. I'd be so terrified. Oh, face it. You've got to face your fears. Like, you've got to do it. There's a reason. And I felt safe with the, you know, it's all led me to God. You know, I, I'm no way encouraging anyone to go and drink <laughs> drink ayahuasca or anything but it's all part of my journey it all led me exactly it was the right i am now and i don't i'm not going to sit here and regret it you can't have regrets over your past because it's done you just turn yourself up and i don't i met some amazing people i did get a hell of a lot out of it you know but at the end of the day it's just led me to one place so amazing i must tell you this thing at the moment my my sort of my happy place is watching near-death experiences on YouTube. It's oh my God, Lou! I just, that's you what I watch. Heaven awaits. He's yeah. really good. The heaven awaits stories. 
I can't remember what the, the channel is, but it's just basic people, normal people that have died and come back. And he's telling us, and it's folks telling the stories, isn't he? Uh, yeah, these are, these are individual accounts. Oh, right. Okay. I'll send you the link, but oh my God, it's so, I just can't wait. I'm thinking, I really want to go now. It's so amazing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, my main thing was like, hell. Like, yeah. can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine that? So I'm like beating myself up thinking because I haven't followed the Ten Commandments, but then no, you're all sinners and he took away your sins. But, you know, I had to kind of remind myself this. And this just led me further and further. And now I just, under, I, when you were a kid and you put the Bible in front of you, Marie, it's yeah. just like the thou, though, and you don't read a single thing. Yeah. You don't get it. The thou, like, what? what? You just read it. I was at an all-girls Catholic school, so you just read what was... Me too. That was it. But when you actually go back and really... It, I'll tell you, it's got everything in. You oh. could, the movie, like if they made a proper movie of the Bible now, my God. Didn't Mel, Mel Gibson do a really good Jesus Christ movie? Oh, Passion Christ. Christ. I mean, I can't watch it because it just makes me cry. Too. I don't want to watch anything sad, and I hate. No, I know, I know. But it is, it is very, very powerful. Apparently, apparently, people on that film set were changing. You know, like Muslims were were becoming Christian. Yeah, I put, I put posts up on it actually. So oh, he, maybe it was you that I saw. Yeah, Mel yeah. Gibson warned Jim Caviezel about playing it, playing yeah. the character. Yeah. But he accepted it. He was 33 at the time. He nearly died a couple of times. Yeah, he got pneumonia. My God. Yeah, yeah. he got really ill. So, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. But, again, you the work that you do, Marie, our tools, our bodies, we were created in his image, right? So, and he gave us everything. Everything to keep our bodies going. I mean, you had people at Melchizedek or something was like 900 and something years old. He lived to that. I mean, Christ, imagine that. But yeah, so you've bored. got all of the tools that you need has been given to us by God. Oh, 100%. People well, are getting sick. It's because they're not using those tools correctly. You're missing one of those things that your body needs because your body has been given everything on this on this plane to, to, to be well. So I do, think, I do well. think that there are some, there are some chronic conditions that. Yes, 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 of course. It but really the majority is. of we've been given the tools to heal our bodies. It's all out there. I look at you, homeopathy for one. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, plants in nature, everything, everything's there on the planet, but, you know, people that have been born with say, um, thalidomide or. Oh yes, yes. Or, or even asthma, like, you know, my my family, there's a strong asthma component in my family. And there, well, homeopathy actually does cure it. I'm going to say it, it does cure it. Well, but, I need to get some more because I still have, I mind psychological, Marie. Okay. I have to, I, you know, if I get an asthma attack, if I haven't got an inhaler, I will get wheezy, even though I haven't had an asthma attack in properly, properly yeah. in years. So what you should have is arsenicum in water in a spray in your handbag always. Okay. So that would be like the homeopathic EpiPen. So when oh. you kind of when you feel you're wheezing and you start thinking, oh shit, I haven't got my Ventolin, spray the arsenicum under your tongue and just watch and see if it helps. Always have the Ventolin as well on all, yeah. all, all the all the tools, have everything. But I would start with arsenicum and then you might find that you actually relax and don't need it. What bad things? Well, I think we touched on eczema, didn't we? 
because about topically like creams and things and yeah, I'm, I'm treating a pharmacist at the moment. She's lovely. And she has she's had eczema since birth and she's used steroids because she believed in, you know, her, her sort of medicine. And then she got to a point with the steroids where you get this thing called steroid withdrawal syndrome, where your skin just starts melting off your face. It's just shocking. And she was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And so she was going to give up work for a year and she thought it was going to take a year for her skin to get back blah, blah, blah. Anyway, her mum knows me and got me in touch. And it took about two or three weeks. She sent me the before photo and the after photo. And oh my God, Lou, she is looking amazing without steroids, without creams. And I gave her colloidal silver as well, which I'm not sure that she even used that. I think she was quite nervous about using things. So it was one remedy. And with her particular picture, it was silica, which is sand. <laughs> it's made from sand and she's looking gorgeous. So, and she wow. sent me a few messages to say, still doing great. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, eczema, it's very hard to do skin actually, weirdly, because the skin is your largest organ and it's the safest organ in which to exhibit symptoms because, you know, if you had eczema on your heart, you'd be dead probably, but you can safely have it on your skin. Um, so it's quite, it takes a long time to get rid of usually, but actually with this girl, it took two weeks. It was, I don't know if, if we've addressed her actual underlying eczema or if we've just cured the steroids sort of layer of it, but we'll see in a few weeks time. But yes, um, anything that your body can produce, homeopathy can address it, any symptom, any thought, any whatever. So I treat people preconception, babies, all through your life and then for dying you have remedies as well it's, oh, really? it's across the board it's for everything yeah it's gorgeous gorgeous I feel so lucky I feel so blessed that I got to do this in this lifetime I'm so blessed that I know you that and you're yeah. so amazed that I can just pick up the phone whenever yeah of course we've got a remedy and a solution it's amazing yeah no I think the thing the thing the worst thing is to panic and to feel alone and that you can't do anything you know, to help yourself. I remember when I, I had my, my appendix was really painful, but it didn't show up as the normal appendix symptoms. So I was thinking, why am I so sick? And I, I went to bed and I was lying there and I just went, oh my God, it's my appendix. And I quickly got the computer, Googled it. And there it was. So I called 111 and they said, my dear, I'm sending an ambulance. And I was like, oh God, no, not an ambulance. So then I quickly jumped in the bath and shaved my legs because I'm so vain. And so <laughs> And when I got to hospital, it had burst. Um, so there was nothing yeah. that I could take with my remedies that touched that. It was just going to burst. That was what it was doing. It was on a trajectory to just go, nah. What happened when it burst? Well, uh, I was in surgery, so they just had to clean it all up. It was a lot of pus, apparently, and it took a couple of hours to wash me out. Mm. So, like a 15-minute append appendectomy turned out to be a few hours long. But um, I was fine. But it's just that thing of you know, because I didn't recognize what was wrong with me. It it had gone too far for me to sort of intercept with the remedy. So it was just, it was on its way. So it, it was kind of like, you know, when you've got a boil and it's got to burst and it's got to sort of discharge the pus. I think it yeah. was kind of one of those situations, but because it was nighttime and I was on my, well, I wasn't on my own, but I was the only homeopath in the house. <laughs> Everyone else was asleep. Um, yeah, it was, so it's just a thing of when you're ill, 
to know that you can phone someone and that they can actually help practically in a in a practical way i think it's so valuable so i never have um i don't have office hours i you know obviously i go to bed and i turn my phone off but you know i will talk to people up until bedtime quite happily if they're sick you know people get sick at night mostly they don't get sick in the day <laughs> yeah what is that do you think I don't know. I don't know. But Children were always worse at night. Do you remember yeah. when there were, you know, little ones and what have you? It was always at night. It, it's probably something to do with the with the pineal gland and things shifting from you know day to night to energy. You're meant to kind of wind down and shut down and do your repair and healing in the dark at night. So it's probably something to do with that. But I don't actually know the kind of science behind it. I don't know the science of anything, to be honest, Lou. I just watch and see patterns and try and understand. But data and things like that, I, I just don't keep that in my head. I'm, you know, Well, you're a gift. I'm so blessed to know you. I really can. I really am because you help like so many of my friends and my family. That. I do help everyone with your work, Lou. So, likewise. Oh, thank you enough, Marie. I need to. We need to do this more often because there's so many more questions I've got, and we've gone well over an hour. Yeah, um, well, I'd love to. I'm happy to talk. We, we did say this a while back, but I think so much has been going on. But let's do this again, maybe in a couple of weeks. I would Absolutely. love that. Yeah, that would be great. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Me too. Me too. So, what should we play out with today? Something nice and happy. Oh, my God, there's this song that I thought the other day. I'm just, I don't know if I can remember what it's called. Oh, it was played at my friend's funeral, and it's a Scottish lady and some African man, and he's playing some traditional instrument, and she's playing the harp, and she's called Catherine something. Can I send you the link? Yes, send me the link, and we'll close it. I think it's called Future Strings. I'll look for it and send you the link. Oh, I do like some strings. I do like strings. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. Future Strings. Let's have a look. Catherine something. Okay, we'll find that. So, Marie, how can people, if they want to have a look at what you're doing or they want a bit of help, what can... Can people get in touch with you? I don't want you to end up getting bombarded. (laughs) I I, I won't be bombarded. I think most people just think, oh, that's bonkers. I'm never going to go there. But the people that need me will find me. And I'm I'm always online. I'm on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't really get TikTok. I don't really get Instagram, to be honest, but I'm there. No, I don't really. But TikTok, I use what was amazing is the first couple of videos I was getting. There was like 25,000 views on them. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Well, this is amazing because I was flying under the radar. Yes. I'd only joined it about a year ago and I'd never posted on it. Yes. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing it. Put up my call to the BBC over the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah. Um, that had about 22, 30, about 23,000 hits. And then I got a community standards. Oh, really? And then they, then they gave me a ban. And now I'm lucky if I get 20 views. Oh, God, isn't that awful? How they can shadow ban people. It's just... How they can just do this because they've got a different opinion to these people. Well, you've got the right opinion. That's why. That's it. it. And Twitter still hasn't given me my old account back, Um, even though I've just asked them. And do you know what? It was over. I got banned and taken off Twitter for. What? To artist interview. Really? Yeah. So they've told me I can have my account back when I remove the Dr. Ardis interview. So I put in an appeal. Can they show me where Dr. Ardis is lying? Yeah. Where is it? Tell me what part of that interview. 
That was me sending you the was, was was me putting out fake news, and I will get I will happily remove it. They won't do it. No, and also there there comes a point where you just think, no, fuck off. I'm not going to do what you want. I do what's right for me. Exactly. I'm not that desperate. I'm not that desperate. And everyone believing that Elon Musk is the saviour is just... No, 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 no. He may have been brought on board, but this guy, it wants people walking around with chip implants in their brains. I know. The latest one is that cats are going, well, mandatory in England to have your cat chipped. I just think this is just the creeping bullshit again, trying to get us to think it's normal to have a chip in us. Exactly. Do you know, I've had a few arguments with regards to animal vaccinations. Now, I've never vaccinated my animals. They're not, Bruno isn't, neither's Bandit or the cat. Um, They get a bit of homeopathy. They do get a bit of wormer. Yeah. Um, what what are your thoughts on animal vaccinations? Yeah, no, it's a scam. It's just a you know a way to make money. So the, the the animals that I know that are sick are vaccinated, and the sicknesses they get are kind of like skin, really bad skin issues, and pancreas. Like, why would a dog have pancreatitis? It's just yeah. so. Yeah, I think it's vaccines. My dogs are not vaccinated, and never will be. No, same. Absolutely. Marie, we, I, I'm just about to start carrying on, on to another conversation. Shut up now. Uh, you'll be back in a week or so's time, which yeah. is fantastic. Um, we are doing another podcast-a-thon. This time, we have the first one in London, which was absolutely bonkers. Don't know if you saw any of it. We've got, I think we've got about a 15-minute video of our breakdowns where come, come early hours Sunday morning... Catherine and I could not console ourselves. Oh, were you crying? I saw you laughing. Hysterically. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, the delusion went to that ex- extreme that we, yeah. we just couldn't. It was embarrassing. Well, the, ne- the second one was a lot quieter because we were at my house and there was no outside instructions. And we had a sofa that we could just fall onto every time the film was made. So that was yeah. But this time we're going to be in the centre of Cardiff. Someone's donated us somewhere to produce the show and do the show yeah. from. And then another person has donated us apartment to stay in. Wonderful. So, and it's right in the centre of Cardiff. We've got loads of people coming into the studio. We've got the lovely Sandy Adams. She's coming on. Richard Vobes. Yeah. Uh, Matt Letizia is opening it. Amazing. Um, so we've just got to raise the money for these mums, Marie. Yeah, amazing. Well, I think it, it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah, we've done 12 grand out of the two so far we've raised, but... And this money, Lewis, it's to take this to court to actually make it's, it illegal. Well, they've already had 75,000 worth of uh, court fees come on because they lost the judicial review. Uh, bearing in mind, it's just the five parents, Kimberly Isherwood being one of them, uh, who is a criminologist, and she's just nobody. You you know, you could you need Kim by you anything. You put Kim out in front and just shut up. That's yeah. what you need. Just pull Kimberly out. She does it. Okay, game over. Um so we had we got one barrister who is incredible. He's a Christian guy, Paul Diamond. But it's only him. There's no solicitors, there's no legal teams, there's nothing. So Paul Diamond went in. We've got Catherine's, Catherine's Darren is doing all the solicitor work. Yeah. And Darren's a builder. I mean, he's very intelligent, but he's doing all the solicitor work. And you've got Paul Diamond, the barrister. That's it. The Welsh government came out with a legal team of six to eight people. 
Uh, and they put 75, the, the judge was from South Africa. You look into the cases that she's done. She's very pro-LGBTQ. She's very, she's woke. Yeah. Um, so she put in 75 grams worth of costs to the five parents. Oh, my God. They went, Paul Diamond appealed it and explained, hang on a minute, you've got the wealth of the, the Welsh taxpayers behind you. These are just five working art, working class families yeah and no she won't have none of that 75 grand how dare you take on the government how no, dare you stand up to them yeah. so now it's going to the court of appeal and after the court of appeal it will go all the way to the royal courts of justice because we have to protect our children yeah we have to protect our children we cannot sexualizing children from the age three and four telling it's okay that they're a man and a man can make a baby. It's okay. Group sex is okay. Anal sex, they're telling nine-year-olds to, to, to have so they don't get pregnant. Oh, jeez, man. No, it's it's just gone. I so know about sex until I was about 13. And no, that's no, and I swear. And I never had a sex education. I was at a school run by nuns. Well, I just think you're, yeah, only you're, you're a child for the shortest time and the rest of your life you're an adult. So why can't you just... That's my question. What is the desperation? Why? Why are you wanting to strip that innocence from our very precious children? Why? No, it's it's just despicable, really despicable. So yeah, that's that's what we got coming up. We're about to start another show there. So I'm going to cut off now because otherwise, poor Marie will still be sitting here at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, so you can get Marie on uh, as her name is Marie McLaughlin M C. G L, you've got it in front of me. M C C. Sorry, M C C. Go on, you spell it. M C L O U G H L I N. McLaughlin. Marie, thank you so much. Let's do this again, and we're going to play out with future strings just for you. And I'll be back later on tonight. Thank you, Lou. Bye. Bye.
Thank you.